0: I want to uh, talk to you this morning about do not fall away. Isn't that kind of a, I don't know, that picture kind of gives me chills. Look at this picture. Back in uh, August of of, uh, the 18th of August, I gave a message here entitled, Do Not Be Deceived. And uh, I noted that the uh, scriptures had talked about deception in the last days and that there was going to be a great falling away. And specifically, I addressed the false doctrine of eternal security. Today, I'm wanting to switch that just a little bit from do not be deceived to do not fall away. It's somewhat similar. And why am I speaking on these things? I'm going to be Using my main text, of course, like most Sundays, I have a lot of scriptures we're going to look at, but my main text is going to be out of 1 Timothy 4. So give me verse 6. It tells why that I want to bring this to you again this morning. It says, if you trust the, uh, instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith, and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. That's what I'm wanting to accomplish this morning. That's in our text. We're going to begin back at verse 1. But as we go through this, this do not be deceived and do not fall away. Uh, I think, I, I don't really know for sure exactly what all the Lord has me uh, speaking on these four. but I, I want you to know, I'm giving it to you because I feel like One, that this is what the Lord would have me to instruct you on. Two, I love you. I love you all. And I want to see us all together one of these days in heaven. Amen? I don't want anybody to fall away. I don't want anybody to miss the boat. Whenever the rapture takes place, let's all go out on the first load. Amen? I don't know whether it's pre-, mid-, or post-, I don't really care. I just want to be on the first load out. Amen. And we can just wave to each other and embrace each other and pat each other on the back on our way up. Hallelujah. But I don't want anybody falling away. So this morning we're going to take a look at these scriptures here starting out in verse one of 1 Timothy 4. And it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. I don't know about you, but I've seen this taking place. There has been a falling away. There has been those who, are, who have been once in the doctrine, in the faith, and who are falling away from the faith. And we need to be warning people not to do this. Uh, So in the, uh, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. I want to go back and take a look at this and kind of dissect some of these words. It says, now the Spirit expressly says Now we need to make sure we understand the emphasis that is in these words. Expressly is emphatically, is directly, strongly, and urgently. He's expressly, he's emphatically saying these things. He's saying that in the latter times, this is the last of the last days, the latter of the latter days, the very end of the end of times, there's going to be this falling away. And we're seeing it now, so I think that tells us that we are in the latter of the latter days. We are in the last of the last times. It says that, we, that some will depart from the faith. That is really talking about people leaving by their own fruition. People choosing to leave. It's not that somebody has forced you to leave. It's that you have chosen to leave. And we want to guard against that. Here again this morning, know that I'm bringing this warning to you this morning because I love you. I don't think anybody intentionally gets up on any given morning and say, I think I'll fall away today. I think I'll fall out of love with God today. I don't think I will serve Jesus Christ uh, like I did two years ago. I don't think people get up intentionally thinking that that's what's going to happen to them. But what happens with a rock sitting here and one drop of water drips on it? Not much of anything happens. But drop after drop After drop, after weeks, after months, after years of that one drop dropping on that rock, eventually it begins to cause a dent to be in that rock, doesn't it? And that's what happens with us believers. Little by little, we take an insult Or we take a hurt. We are offended. Something happens. Something takes place. One of those things doesn't matter. But little by little, those things keep coming at you. And if you don't put up the shield of faith if you don't put up the guards that God has put in place, if you're not being led by the Spirit, eventually those things are going to wear you down and wear you out and cause you to fall away. So we have to take the safeguards to make sure that we're not going to allow that to happen in our life. Things come our way. Trials and tribulations come our way. But we need to know that I'm go- you need to say to yourself, I'm going to stand with God. I don't care. Hell or high water, I don't care. If it's drip by drip, I am staying in the fold. Hallelujah. Amen, Ron. That's good. Depart is to leave by choice. And it says, depart the faith. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Leaving what you know is right. The the true gospel of Jesus Christ and everything that it stands for. In James 1, 14 and 15, it says this, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now Judas was enticed. He was drawn away by his own lusts. He drew away from the things of God. Here's the other thing about falling away. The thing with Judas was he did not have to fall away. Some people say, well, that was predestined for him to do. No. It was predestined that someone was going to betray Jesus. That was what was predestined. But it didn't have to be Judas. Judas had a choice. And he didn't have to fall away and betray Jesus. And it's the same way with you and me. In the end times, yes, there's going to be a great falling away, but it doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be me. We have a choice in that. And I'm not going to choose like Judas chose He chose to go ahead and fulfill the prophetic Word. I'm not going to fulfill, be a part of fulfilling this prophetic Word. I'm going to be a part of the fold that stays in there and that stays strong and stays faithful. Hallelujah. Then in verse 15, it says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 3 says this, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. 2 Timothy 3:13 says, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Be careful of who you listen to, be careful of what you're allowing to come into your spirit. Test everything according to the Word of God. There's a lot of preachers on TV that I don't listen to. And you need to watch. Just because they're popular and just because they have a big church doesn't mean that they're lining up with the Word of God. And they may have a lot of good stuff, but there's also maybe one or two little bad things. you got to watch that. It only takes a little bit of poison for it to really damage. So be careful. Listen Guard your your heart and line everything up with the Word of God and make everything line up with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Second Peter 2, 1 and 2 says this, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive hearsays, even denying the Lord who bought them. Isn't that something? He said even denying the Lord who bought them. You and I have been bought. We have been purchased. There was a price paid. There was a huge price paid. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So you have been bought, but there's going to be those who were even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. You see what that's saying? It's going to be a certain way that they're going to blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ, and some people are going to fall for it. The New Living Translation says this, and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. We have to guard our hearts. We have to take precautions and make sure that we will not depart from the faith. Will you determine that every day of your life? I will not fall away. I will not succumb to the trials and the tribulations and the temptations that the devil brings along. He's going to try to cause you to slip up. He's going to try to cause you to wear down. He's going to try to cause you to wear out. But you have to be a person who says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm going to stay strong in the Holy Ghost. Now, the Word says that some will depart. But Jude tells us in verse 3 that we are to contend for the faith. Jude 3, verse 3, it says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. You need to learn how to contend. Some of you know how to contend pretty well with your spouse. Some of us seem like we're in contention with our children. We need to get better at knowing which battles to fight. But there's always a battle with the devil. Fight him. In every way you can. Always come against the wiles of the devil. If he's trying to discourage you, you you say to him, you say, devil, I will not be discouraged today because I serve the only true and living God. How can I be discouraged? If God is for us, who can be against us? And you have to stand on that and you have to fight against Him. You have to contend for the faith because it doesn't just automatically stay. You have to fight for it. There's going to be days whenever you are being tempted to give up. There's going to be days whenever you feel like you're getting wore down. But you have to be the one who stands up and says, I will not fail because Christ is for me. You have to say to the devil, devil, now you listen here. You have already been defeated. It may not look like it. I may not feel like it. But you are defeated and I am contending for the faith, the precious Gifts that God gave me through Jesus Christ. I'm contending for that and I will not let it go. Years ago we had uh, boxers. I know the Hases used to have boxers and I I like boxers. But we had this one boxer. I'll tell you that thing. it, It had like nine lives like a cat that thing had been hit out on state road 37 three or four times it had been drug underneath our car one time it got underneath there and it was all stone and, and the family comes out and it, it's underneath the car because it was about 90 degrees outside and it was under the shade and we all came out and we got in the car and that car sunk down on the on the dog and he couldn't get out and we didn't know it and we drug him about probably about 30 yards on that stone and he went and laid for about 2 weeks in the barn but he come out it and you could take a rag and you could put it in that dog's mouth and it would just fight against you and you could not get that dog to let, let go of that that's the way we're supposed to be with the devil that's the tenacity that we have to have that you're going to fight and where you get injured sometimes yeah well things happen to you yes but you just keep fighting you keep holding on And you're not going to allow Him to win. You're not going to allow Him to have your family. You're not going to allow Him to have your sanity. You're not going to allow Him to have victory of any kind. In Jesus' name. Contend for the faith. Back to 1 Timothy 4. Verse 1. It says, now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed. Giving heed. Paying attention to and elevating its importance and influence. That's giving heed. You see, you can't, you can't give the devil heed. You can't, you can't hear something that maybe sounds right, but it doesn't line up with the Word of God and still go ahead and give heed to that. You can't give it importance. Giving heed to deceiving spirits. People are deceived. I was talking with a gal this week and she said, Jesus Christ is is my master. But then she went on to tell about how she believes in Buddha and she believes in Hare Krishna. All religions are good, all religions will get you there. She is deceived. She has given heed to a deceiving spirit because all ways are not right. All ways are not true. There's only one way to the Father and that is through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So do not be deceived. Now a deceiving spirit is not just a false spirit, but it's one who intentionally sets out to mislead, misdirect, lie to, and to bring deception. Will depart from the faith, give heed to deceiving spirits, and doctrines. Doctrines. Doctrines are, that word in the Greek is uh, didaskalia, a belief or a set of beliefs practiced by an individual or a group. And then it says doctrines of Demons. That is a set of beliefs meant to mislead, misguide, deceive, and blind someone of the actual truth. Doctrines of demons. You know, the Muslims, they say that they believe in Jesus Christ, but their Jesus, they call Isa or Issa, ISA, and they describe him as saying that, that Jesus himself said that all should bow to Allah. They say that his disciples were Muslims. Muslims say that Jesus was not crucified, did not die, so most certainly was not resurrected. Muslims literally have dozens of doctrines of demons. Mormons, they say that they believe in Jesus, but that Jesus was born of a virgin, uh, was not born of a virgin, or had what we call the Immaculate Conception. They believe He was conceived the same as all other human beings. They also believe he was the blood brother of Lucifer. They too have many other doctrines of demons prescribed by their founder Joseph Smith. Jehovah's Witnesses. They, they say that they believe in Jesus, but they teach that the Son of God was uh, known as Michael before he came to earth. In the Jehovah Witness version of the Bible, that should be a, a warning sign right there. In John 1.1, ours... Our Bible, the Word of God, says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Theirs does not say the Word was God. Their their Bible says the Word was a God. They suggest that Jesus was a powerful God-like one. Clearly, Jesus is not Almighty God to them. Jehovah's Witnesses have many other doctrines of demons. And we need to be careful because... It doesn't have to be a false religion. It can be a thought that comes to you in a particular uh, setting. It can be a particular teaching that might come. It could be an array of different avenues that the devil might bring to try to deceive you and to get you off track. We have to make sure that we will not allow that to happen. Now, I'm just mindful of grace. I don't have this in my notes, but I, I think that maybe we could accidentally get off track in an area. I'm thankful for God's grace that he, he will forgive. And He will, if we are determined to stay on track, even if we get off track in this particular area, don't you know we're probably all going to get to heaven one of these days and realize that we didn't have everything exactly right? I think we're going to be shocked at maybe some of the things that we didn't have just exactly right. But aren't you thankful for God's grace? But the heart is what I'm talking about. We have a heart that does not want to be deceived. We have a heart that wants to get things right. And we have a heart that says, Father God, I am going to follow you to the best of my abilities with all of my heart. I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and my strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah back to uh, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 2. It says this, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is hypocriti, which means a stage actor. Acting as something or someone that you really are not. When the crowds are gone and are not looking, you revert back to who you really are. Hypocrite is the word that we use in English for actor, an actor. So hypocrisy, Jesus defines in Matthew 6, He's telling His disciples, do not be like the hypocrites. In other words, do not be uh, in this sad state of a person who reduces himself to being an actor on stage. That's what a hypocrite is. You're just acting out something different. Because he does not know God the Father. There are many people who live their life in a desperate search for human approval and applause. They discern their dignity and worth not from God, who is in effect a stranger to them, but from what other human beings think of them. Are any of you addicted to the acceptance of others? Please get delivered from that to where you do not have to have the approval of others. Now, we're not out to get the disapproval of people. But at the same time, you cannot be a person who has to have the approval of others for you to survive. Because if you are, then you become dependent upon that rather than becoming dependent upon the Father. So don't be a person who is putting on different masks and putting on different outfits to please the crowd. Amen? They are willing to adapt. This is a hypocrite. They are willing to adapt themselves often in dramatic ways to win approval. They are willing to play many roles and wear many masks to give the audience what they want. They are like actors on a stage who seek applause or perhaps laughter and approval. All of that is packed into that one word, hypocrisy. The last part of 1 Timothy 4. And verse 2, it says, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And this is probably the main point I want to make this morning. Because I don't believe the church hears enough about this topic concerning our conscience. Our conscience is an inner feeling Or a voice viewed as acting as a guide to the rightness or wrongness of one's behavior. Your conscience is a portion of your spirit. You know, there's threes in Scripture and in theology. There's uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A man is made of spirit, soul, and body. Uh, The body is water, mineral, and flesh. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the spirit is conscience, fellowship, and intuition. I don't have time to teach all of that this morning, but those are the three portions of your spirit. is the conscience, fellowship. The Bible says that there is fellowship in the spirit. So that is part of the Spirit. It's fellowship, oneness with the Father, and then also intuition. There's just sometimes, sometimes you know, you say, man, I just I knew that down on the inside of my knower. Well, that's, that's, your, that's part of your Spirit. And so as we look through all of these sorts of things, we have to understand that our conscience is one-third, of, it's a portion of our Spirit, and we are to be led by the Spirit. Amen? Well, your conscience is a portion of your spirit. And so many people have had their consciences seared. But uh, one thing we have to remember is that there are those of us who have been regenerated. So our spirit has been regenerated. Your conscience has been regenerated. How many people do you know that doesn't seem like they have much of a conscience? Well, those people also do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But whenever we become saved, our spirits are renewed, then our conscience is to be renewed too. We're supposed to think differently. We're supposed to have different values. We have a different mindset. We'd have a different worldview because your conscience has been readjusted inside your spirit. Hallelujah. Now, this scripture, let me read you some scripture concerning your conscience. 1 Timothy. One eighteen. Are you sticking with me this morning? This is good stuff. 1 Timothy 1.18 and 19 says this, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, has suffered shipwreck. So faith lost or at least wavered in a a conscience that they've ignored and acted against their better judgment. How does that happen? The the searing of your conscience. How does this falling away or this having rejected their, their good conscience, how does that take place? It's very simple. Like that drop of water. It's little by little by little. You come to a situation, you know you shouldn't go there, But you override your conscience and you go there. There's something you know you shouldn't say, but you go ahead and say it anyway. You just overrode your conscience. You drink something you know you shouldn't be drinking because it's a bad witness. You override your conscience. You do it anyway. And you sear your spirit, your conscience just a little bit. And every time that you automatically or you on purpose override your conscience, you are searing that conscience. Searing means to uh, cauterize. Isn't that the word in the medical field? To, to ca- uh, cauterize? Is that right? Or is it caterize? Cauterize. Well, what, what they do, they go in and they sear, they burn those nerve endings so that they no longer have feeling. And that's what searing your conscience does. Little by little, whenever you and I override our conscience, then we have caused that portion of our spirit to become insensitive. Where we're no longer able to feel. I've mentioned this before. Can you imagine if you had been asleep the last 25 years and suddenly woke up? what you would think was going on in this world today? I mean, we would absolutely be shocked. All of us. Every one of us in this room. We would be shocked about what's going on if we had been asleep for the last 25 years and seen how things have changed. But what's happened, we're like the frog. We've just been in that boiling water and we just stay there and we don't realize how bad things have gotten. Why? Because many times our consciences have become seared and we've become insensitive to what's going on. And I'm saying that we as believers, we have to shed those things off and not allow that to happen to our, to our spirits Not allow that to happen in our lives. I do not want to become insensitive to what God has put in His Word just because it's going on in the world and because everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then I want to hold on to what the Word of God says regardless of what everybody else is doing. I don't want to become hardened to the things of God. But that's what happens. That drop of water, little by little by little, we become insensitive. Our consciences become seared. Hebrews ten, twenty one. 21, Since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. Hallelujah. With sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Can you remember back before you received Jesus Christ there maybe some wrong thinking that you had or some things that you just allowed yourself to think on because it was, hey, sometimes there's, there is pleasure in sin. But the wages of sin is death, even though it was pleasurable. But your conscience has been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Your conscience has been Purified. Hallelujah. Acts 23.1, then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And I'm thinking, Paul, how can you say this? You was a murderer of Christians. But what happened? His conscience had been sprinkled. By the blood of Jesus Christ. His spirit had been renewed. His mind had been renewed to the things of God. And now he could say, man, I've been living with a clear conscience ever since that day. Hallelujah. Are you able to say the same thing? Praise the Lord. So in 1 Timothy, it says, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. It's saying that he's become insensitive. Little by little we've become insensitive. In 1 Timothy, verse 6, once again, it says this, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. I think this morning... I'm hoping that you have received this as good instruction, as a warning for us to not enter in to the things that the devil would have us to enter into, but at the same time, I want you to be encouraged in the fact that you are, if you've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are a born again believer that He loves so much, and He will fight for you. He is going to do everything He can to cause you not to fail. He's going to do everything He can by His Spirit to lead you in holiness and righteousness, and cause you to be a person who knows where you're going. You know who you are in Christ. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to have a vibrant Christian walk with him. But let we have to be determined that we will not fall. Have you determined that in your life? Let's all stand. I want you this morning to make this declaration with me if that would be your choice this morning. Because I really do believe that if we don't make a declaration that we're going to follow Christ regardless of what happens, I think we put ourselves in a position of possibly falling away. And I don't want anybody to be there.